Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at vkcwest.com. So we've been going through this. This is week four, week four of five weeks. And uh, what, we've, what we realize if we really look at life is that relationships are the most important thing in life uh, because they're actually the only thing that always lasts. Like it'll last forever, your relationships, uh, whether they're good, bad, or how long they were, your relationship to other people and to God is, is that which really lasts. It's, it's really the only real thing is relationships. And so the series is called My Amazing Relationships and, and put it that way because a lot of times we feel like our relationships aren't amazing. And so we've, we've, we've looked at friendship, we've looked at marriage, we've looked at parenting. And then today we're going to look at coworkers. Uh, our theme verse for the series is, is this, um, uh, John 13, 34, it says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And so Jesus speaking. And so the whole idea that we're going off of it isn't like, hey, we can come up with principles, which we've been reading through in scripture. We can apply those to our relationships, which is super helpful. And we need to be people though, that are receiving a love and receiving um, something from God that we can actually take that into those relationships. Because if it were just as easy as applying a, a few principles, uh, then, then everybody would have amazing relationships, right? No, we need a love outside of ourselves that we receive. And then we give that to the other people, even our coworkers, right? And so uh, when I think of coworkers, I think of my first coworker, uh, which was my brother. So my brother's just 15 months older than me. And we were coworkers in the business of holding the flashlight for my dad, right? When he's fixing the car or fixing something around the house, or uh, he built quite a few things and fences and, and barns and homes and stuff on our land. And so, uh, you know, we would hold the post, right? Because if that post was square, then everything else is square. So serious investment in that. So there typically there was just one flashlight to hold or one post to hold. So, so the other one would be behind our dad's back trying to make the other brother laugh, right. And doing things. And so, and it was a bad thing if you moved the flashlight or moved the post. And so it was kind of a thing we did. And then it obviously went bad many times. I don't know if I've ever told him that, that we would do that, but it's just, it's just, you know, that's what we would do as coworkers. Um, My first like paid job, I was probably uh, 10 years old. And I wanted a, a boombox stereo. And uh, so I put it on layaway at Kmart. And, uh, and, and it was, I don't know, a hundred bucks or whatever, but I, I didn't have a hundred bucks. So I, I read in this little magazine how I could sell greeting cards door to door. And so I'm like, all right. So I lived out in the country. So I'd just get on my bike and I'd go door to door. Hi, how are you? You know, and, and, and I'd sell greeting cards. And uh, as soon as I got enough money for the, for the stereo and a couple of tapes, um, you know, I, I, I quit my job. Uh, uh, but even with that type of job, I had a coworker, right? Like the orders had to come in. Somebody had to get my order and send it to me. And, and that little microcosm of employment or work history, um, even though it's, it's funny and looking at that, it's, we can adapt that to like our, our real like JOBs, like as adults and stuff like, well, I'm just going to get what I need and then I'm done. 
And we need to think differently about work and we need to think differently about coworkers because, because it's something that I believe is just as holy as coming together as people worshiping God. I believe work is right in the same realm. I don't think we can say that like worshiping at church is sacred and then that's secular. I think that they're intertwined together uh, because in the importance of this is, you know, we really all long for something more. Uh, something meaningful in life. And, and we long to be a part of something that's meaningful, like work that's meaningful. Um, I know when I, in my early twenties, I was coaching football at a local high school. Uh, I was, uh, serving at the youth group at my church, uh, as an intern pastor. And, um, and all the things I were doing were meaningful. And I had friends that, um, that they had gotten, you know, gone to the best school, gone to the different things, which isn't wrong, but they were doing things that they were on this track of just doing something that they couldn't find meaning in it. And they said, man, uh, and they had a lot more money than me and, and all that stuff. But they just said, man, I want to do something like what you're doing. And I said, okay, let's trade. You give me your money and I'll, you know, do so, but no, I didn't. But I said, I said, well, I said, make what you're doing meaningful. It, it, it's just that the things that I'm doing are overtly focused on people but anybody can take what they're doing, and I call it like baptizing your job. Like we're having a baptism. Baptize your job. No joke. Take this. I'm going to offer it to God, and I'm going to see, God, what are you doing here? And typically, it has to do with people. You look at what you're doing in that place with people. Like there's a, a young man that works for Amazon, and his job is, is packages come in to scan them. Over and over and over again. And what he did to baptize his job is he decided, he said, he said, I got joy when I realized that every time I scan that, somebody gets an email saying that their package is on the way. And that brought him joy. That's baptizing your job. Saying, what is the meaning that I can find in what I do that affects or helps another person? Uh, over a lifetime, you'll spend about 90,000 hours working. Some more, some less. 90,000 hours. And that, that's a lot of hours. Plus two, uh, some of you to say today, you say, well, I'm, I'm retired. I don't work anymore. Yes, you do, because you, you work around your place, you work with people around your home, and then also you volunteer. So we're talking about that too, because work, we've made it this thing like, what's what I do to get money? No, work is actually something that God instituted, and it didn't necessarily have to do with making money or providing for ourselves. And so what we need to do is we need to look at work differently. So work is God's idea. Uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So tend and watch over it means work. And so here's the scenario. There's no sin yet, right? Adam and Eve haven't sinned. They haven't done something that hurt themselves and hurt other people and hurt their relationship with God. They're in right relationship with God. And God says, hey, I want you to work in the garden. And so there was, it was their opportunity to care for things. It was their opportunity to create things with God. And so it was sweet. Uh, that was part of their responsibility. Uh, when we work, we bring value to our global community. Like all of the work that's done on the face of the earth, we bring value uh, to what's around us. Uh, when we work, we have the opportunity to love others and, and, and to love God too. Um, you know, Dallas Willard, one of my favorite authors, he says, you know, that work is training for reigning. 
You know, I, I, I think, and I believe as I look at scripture and, and as I look at how God works all throughout, I believe that in heaven you will work. <sighs> but it will be, it will be work the way work is supposed to be, right? Because just like there is a fall in, in, we live in a fallen world, uh, work is a, was a part of that fall. So what work was meant to be, was, you know, was changed at the fall uh, because <clears throat> in, in Genesis 3, a little bit later, it says that, that man w- and women will, um, that work was cursed and it became toil carried out by the sweat of a man's brow he would work or earn his living. That wasn't a part of the original plan. That came after sin. And so the, the, the grind of work is, is a part of the fall. Work is actually something that we are created for. Work is something that God said, hey, I want you to be like me. So that includes work. Uh, in seminary, I actually, you had to do a whole statement of faith and thesis and all this stuff. And so I went through all these different subjects and I landed on, I landed on the work of God. And so looking at all the different areas of theology and God and person and humans, all these things, and I put it under the context of God, because you see that right from the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, how did he do that? He worked. And so work is actually something that's incredible. So <clears throat> Jesus and his co-workers, uh, you know, his disciples, uh, they worked. And um, Jesus spoke to his disciples, uh, two of them, they were fishing. And, and he said, hey, uh, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So when he called the disciples, he didn't call them to religion. He called them into a relationship, and then they would work differently. And so his disciples were, in essence, his company. It was their work that they did with one another. And it's grown and grown and grown. It's actually a pretty successful company, if you want to use that term, right? And so the things that Jesus did in instituting into his relationship with his coworkers his disciples, we can learn from. And so John chapter 13, verse one, uh, we're actually going to take a look here. So um, we're just going to read through the whole passage, a little bit longer passage, settle down into it, and then we'll talk about it. So before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. That word, the ministry, I don't like that in there. I just want to point that out because it makes it like we're doing religion. The original doesn't speak of that. It just says like he loved them. You know, it's just, they're kind of adding that during his ministry. It makes it, no, he just, like, I would be better if they put work, you know? So that translation is, it's just saying during his life, he loved them. And now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he, gave, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. So Jesus, it's significant. He's playing the role of the servant, okay? Typically at a place like this, 
Remember, this is like, this is a, uh, this is like a pop-up restaurant. This is a pop-up dinner, okay? Um, or a flash dinner or a flash restaurant. It's there, typically at a home, you would have a servant that would wash the feet as, as they came in from the road before dinner, but there wasn't one. It wasn't organized with everything. Jesus said, hey, go to this place, set this up in the upper room. Well, Jesus looks around. He's the boss. He's the owner of the company. He looks around and he says, oh, if, if we're going to have dinner, if we're going to do this, this company party right, let's wash the feet of the people. Somebody has to do it. He could have said, hey, Peter, go wash everybody's feet. But he was very intent on communicating to them the values of how you work together and live together. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Some of us struggle with people doing things for us, right? We're, We're good doing things for other people. But then when somebody does something for us, just kindness lavished on us, we struggle with that. And it's pride. It's pride because we put ourselves in the place of receiving it. And it's hard. It's hard. And, and Peter in some ways is right. Like, Lord, you are, you are, you are the Messiah. You are God. And you're going to wash my feet. No way. But look what Jesus says. Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well. Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. So it's pretty incredible. Like some of you have had people in your companies or your workplaces, people very close to you, like, stab you in the back, you know, talk poorly of you, gossip about you, ruin your reputation amongst other. Well, that's exactly what Judas was doing. He was, he was, he was stealing. He was, he was stirring the pot. He was talking things. He was aligning with other people, you know, all sorts of stuff going on. And yet Jesus still washed his feet. Pretty incredible leadership. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. You uh, Any business has to communicate to their employees and then also to the people that partake of the service or the the goods that they sell. This is how we do it here. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, in our working relationship, coworkers, this is how we do it here. This is what we do. And I've given you an example. So he says, I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So <clears throat> pretty incredible passage. There's lots of different stuff in there. I mean, we could, we could probably teach through this passage alone and what follows it, uh, where our theme verse comes later on. We could spend a year just teaching through John chapter 13. It's, it's pretty amazing stuff. But here's a, here's a couple of things that I see in the passage <clears throat> is that Jesus and his coworkers were typical of most workplaces. 
Uh, as you read through the New Testament and through the Gospels, uh, it was not an ideal workplace, okay? Um, it wasn't, the employees didn't get to choose who they got to work with. Jesus chose the disciples. It's, it's, it's right there in the Gospels. He chose which ones. They had different backgrounds. Uh, they came from different socioeconomic status. Um, some were very well-spoken, some were not. Um, some were, you know, crazy passionate. Some are more introverts. Uh, you know, it, it just, it, it was a whole different group of people. So uh, there was high moments of success in, in, in unity, uh, right? Jesus sent the 72 out and they had great success. And they said, Jesus, even the demons obey us. Like we're doing what you taught us to do. We've been successful. Uh, and then there were low moments of failure and strife where James and John, two brothers, you know, go to Jesus, you know, while they're walking along and Jesus, had just talked about uh, actually laying down his life and sacrificing. And so James and John thought that would be a good moment to, you know, to like position themselves. And so they walk up and, hey, hey, Jesus, uh, um, listen, uh, you know, can we sit on your right and your left when you come into your kingdom? You know, can we be your exec, you know, can we be your top executive vice presidents? And it was manipulating. And so they had low moments and strife. And the other disciples heard and you're know, like, man, you know, what is going on? You know, uh, I mean, you know, like you guys are positioning yourselves. I mean, so just like any good group of, of coworkers, right? All of this stuff goes on amongst other people. But Jesus set the tone for the workplace through love and service. He set the example for his coworkers. We talked about that. He says, look, I've set an example for you. I've washed your feet. Do that for one another. And then also to how could Jesus work this way is a question we have to ask. How could Jesus work and, and, and operate and move this way? Well, it was because of what we, of what we see in, in verse 3. His confidence came through his relationship with his father. In essence, the equivalent of what I've talked to us about over the past several weeks of receiving the love of Jesus, and then we get to love the same way he's loved us. And so Jesus was this incredible leader. He was this incredible boss. He was this incredible coworker because he had lived in community with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so that's what was modeled for him. That's what he knew. That's what he experienced. So he put that out there. If, if, if only everyone in our workplaces were like that, right? Um, something that, uh, you know, if you, if you lead other people, um, like your, your position is leading, good. Um, but that's just, ba that's a position. Uh, I remember I was working at this deli and I was just like a year older, maybe than this other guy there. And we're both teenagers, but you know, I, I mean, I, th I think I was out of high school. He was still in high school. And so I remember we went at it and he, he knew some things more than me, but I was the one in charge. And, and I made the mistake that anybody in charge should ever make, which was, you know, we were battling, battling. And I said, because I'm the boss, you know? It worked really good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he went, yeah, I'm out of here. I chased him down because I, we, you know, needed him. And, uh, and he, he was pretty good and, and he would probably was right. And I was probably wrong, you know, but um, so that's, you could be in position and you can lead um, in, in a place, but really any person that's a coworker or working with other people, uh, you really have a responsibility to lead in that place. Um, for instance, like, let's say your culture is really poor at your workplace. 
or the culture is really poor, that the place that you volunteer. Uh, listen, you, and especially as a follower of Jesus, have the opportunity to transform that culture, to transform that place. And, and it's called leading up. You don't have to be in the top position or a higher position to do that because a beautiful workplace is a place that, that everyone comes together, has their different viewpoints, and they bring all of those things to create a better whole. And if you've ever led anything like me with the, you know, it, with, at the deli with my coworker, I mean, I had a blind spot and he was probably trying to help me, right? And so most leaders, most people that are doing things, they want that help, but you got to figure out how you do it, right? So whether you're positionally the person in charge or whether you're a person that is a, just a worker or whatever there, how you want to say it, you have the opportunity to change that culture. And one way to think about it is this, is that, you know, uh, if you think of a string, like on a, on a table, uh, you know, if I try to move that string forward and I'm behind it and I'm pushing it, what's going to happen? Is that string going to move forward? No. But if I get out in front of it and I pull it, then that string moves forward. So if the string is the company or the string is the organization or the, the string is the place that you volunteer at uh, or your home, uh, right? Which means you have to be out front to move things forward. And that has nothing to do with position. And to get out front means that you adopt this servant attitude of Jesus. You be a servant leader. You be a servant worker. You be a servant coworker. That's how places are really changed. And so uh, when we're working with others, here's a few principles. Um, decide that you will work with others. Because just because there's people at the same place that you work at doesn't mean you're working with them. So instead of isolating, integrate. Because it's very easy just to say, I'm going to do my work and I'm going home. I'm going to do my thing and then I'm done. Why? Well, because it's hard. Like it's like, you've got your thing. You just want to get your thing done, but then to integrate with somebody else, to work with somebody else or to help somebody else or receive help from somebody else, that's harder. But if you don't do that, you will never experience the blessing of work in the way that God designed it. Because you'll just work, like you'll work for work. But work is absolutely about people. Uh, you know, it, you may be, be a um, sole proprietor and, and you don't have any employees, or, uh, but in your people, well, then your customers are your coworkers. The people you partner with are your coworkers. The people that share a suite next to your coworkers. There's always people that you can integrate with instead of isolating yourself from. Um, there's barriers, right? Um, there's barriers to work, right? And because people are different than us. And so a couple of things to do to move past barriers is the first thing is start with yourself, right? If you're on a plane and the oxygen mask comes down, do you put it on the child next to you first? Or do you put it on you, right? Yourself first, right? And so what can I do to change my workplace, the place I volunteer, my home, these things first? Well, know your story. Like know the story that you tell yourself, know your story, your experiences, what goes on with you, because in a workplace, it's not just the job, but it's 
you're bringing your experiences, your life into that. And so when things happen, when there's, there's conflict and things going on, your story will play into what's happening. For instance, uh, what happens is if there's an event you see and hear something said to you, or you see something, okay, and then you have an opportunity to tell yourself a story. Which story will you tell yourself? Okay, negative or positive one. And then when you tell yourself a story, you now feel because our stories are what make us to feel. And then what we do is after we feel is we act. For instance, here's this scenario. First, you see or hear. You're working on a report and your manager checks up on you three times in one hour offering suggestions. (sighs) Second, you tell a story. You decide that your manager is questioning your capabilities. She doesn't believe you can complete the task on your own. She thinks you're incompetent. Okay. Third, you generate a feeling. You feel hurt and defensive. This leads to anger. Your manager obviously hasn't paid attention to the other reports you've turned out to, to spec in the past. Fourth, you act. You hold a grudge and don't listen or respond to your manager's suggestions. So you could apply that with coworkers. You could apply that to your people that work for you, all sorts of things. But there's another scenario, right? There's another opportunity to tell yourself a different story. One is, is to actually tell your boss that's checking up on you what you need or just to ask them, right? Non-defensively, like, hey, is everything okay? Or to ask yourself, hey, I wonder what's important to them with this report, right? Like maybe maybe it's for a, a, a client that is friends of their family, or maybe they have pressure from their boss that this thing has to really be perfect. You know, so they have they have the emotions and story that they're doing. It doesn't even have anything to do with you. But if you tell yourself this story that they, oh, they think you're incompetent and they're saying this, this, then all of a sudden what happens is there's this whole battle going on. And, and, or what if they really love your work and they like to watch the process? I mean, there's all kinds of other scenarios. So know yourself. Know the things that set you off. Know the things that cause you to go into like a stress behavior. So start with yourself. The next thing is, is no other stories. Okay. So personalize others instead of depersonalizing. If all of us were to do one thing in our workplaces or the places that we volunteer, do anything that would make a big impact, it would be this is that instead of depersonalizing someone, in other words, making them just about their work or making them just about, I've decided that they're just this because they did this and they're that. Instead of deciding that, we personalize them, which we recognize, hey, this is a real life person with real feelings, real things going on. Uh, Steve and I were, um, Steve Croucher and I were talking yesterday, we're working on the um, some things out here. And, and, and I asked him, I said, I said hey, uh, we're talking about coworkers. What do you think about that? And in one is he said that uh, he said he's from New Zealand. And so he said that working in New Zealand is different than working in the U S and, and, you know, uh, just things different and humor is different, all sorts of things. Um, but then, but then he said something I really liked. He said, he said, I would say with coworkers, give them way more grace than you think is needed. Just give them way more grace than what's needed. Right? Because, we all need it. We all need it. 
Another way to say that is um, seek to understand first, right? Stephen Covey, one of the uh, habits of successful people, seek to understand first, right? So I'm not going to go to, oh, I'm feeling this. I'm telling myself this story. I'm offended by that. But I'm first going to say, be curious. Huh? I wonder what's going on with them. Or I wonder why they're doing that. So instead of being critical, I'm going to be curious, right? And then a lot of times it'll turn out better than we think. And then the, and then the last thing is believe the best, right? Believe the best. There's very few times and there's very few people that are actually trying to ruin your life, okay? It's just that most of us, when we're doing things that bother others or hurt others, we're in a stress behavior. Our own needs aren't met. Our own stuff is, is, is going bad. And so we then bring that to the other person. Um, <clears throat> lastly is this, decide on your symbol. Wherever you work or wherever you volunteer or wherever you go, decide on your symbol. What will you be known for? Because every person in every workplace has a symbol. We become like an emoji, a, a character. And we're known for certain things. And so when we think of certain people, it's not always their body of work or it's not always what they do, but we end up being known for something. And so what are you known for? Where you worked or where you work or where you volunteer? Like, what are you known for? Like, what really stands out? Like, what's the strongest thing about you that's communicated to other people? Jesus is known for the bowl, the towel, and the cross. The bowl and the towel that he used to wash his disciples' feet. And then the cross. And that has created the most successful venture that's ever been on the earth, which is the redemption of mankind. No small feat. So what will you be known for? I think it's along the same line. Like, I don't think it was just that Jesus could be the servant leader, but then we're something else. I think it's the same thing. I think that, but we need to have our thing. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're at your workplace and you say, well, you know, Tuesdays are really stressful because we always do this report or do this different thing. Well, how can you be a servant leader in that time? Bake cookies. Like, would that be really bad that at the end of like your 30, 40 years at your workplace to be like the cookie lady? You're pretty good, actually, you know? Maybe they didn't remember when you blew it or didn't follow through on something, but they're just like, yeah, but you brought cookies. You served us in that way. You know, maybe, maybe you're known, like maybe your symbol would be an ear because everybody knows, man, she listens. He listens. Or maybe your symbol would be like the eye because you see people, like you see what they really do and, and, you, and you let them know that they're seen. Or, or maybe you, your symbol would be like the hand, you know, because, because everybody's like, man, he is always willing to lend a hand. Just that's what I know. And I know this is probably out of all of the different relationships, because I've said that we're trying to push past easy excuses about the state of our relationships. I know that this is probably the, the biggest one I would receive pushback on that, because you feel like you have the least amount of control in this relationship. Because so many other things play into this, like your income, your income, right? You know, having to do all these things. But I will tell you, 
that being a servant leader, you can't fail. You will always transform your workplace. It will always change. I don't know how fast, but you always transform it. You always change your coworkers and you if you decide to be a servant leader. So in, in Philippians 2, verse 1, as we close, uh, we're called to have the same attitude of Jesus. We're called to adopt that into our lives. We're not called to be perfect. But we're called to adopt that and let it work itself through in our lives. And so Philippians 2, verse 1 says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. We make the mistake of thinking that this just speaks to people in churches. It says work. This is something that we could adopt into all of our workplaces, all the places that we serve. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And it goes on, I encourage you maybe read it later, but it goes on and it says that Jesus, even though he was God, he took on the position of a servant and became a human. And because he followed through and did the things that his father called him to do, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. Kind of breaks down our idea of accomplishing things by getting bigger or puffed up, right? Jesus became the lowliest and accomplished the most. And so may we be people that take the attitude of Jesus into our workplaces, take the attitude of Jesus when we serve or volunteer with others and make a huge difference, huge difference in our lives. Thanks for listening this week. If you are looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to vkcwest.com.